Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. How many of you have read this passage ahead of time already? Excuse me. How many of you were not in Mike's class at 10 o'clock and you read the passage earlier? Not as, okay, good. I want to encourage it every week. It'll help you when you sing. It'll help you in this study right here. So we're doing 7, 1 through 12. So what are we going to do next week? You'd think it's verse 13, wouldn't you? Does the worship guide tell you where it is? Back page? Oh, it says 7, 1 through 6. Who? That's got to be a typo. It's not. So we'll get to it here, but we're doing kind of a big chunk today. And most people see this all pieced out like there's silos that don't connect. It's not true. So we're doing the big part, and then we're going to zoom in on it. And you get how, how important that is later. So I, I titled this, What Do You See in Others? So what I'm going to do, because we'll probably think about that a few times today. So I'm going to put these up here just to remind us. What do I see in others? And one of the job perks that Mike and I have is we're studying a passage to preach, and, and we know like, man, I need help. I need help understanding this, so we're studying all week long. And I don't know how many times this is for me, but it's somewhere in the midweek I go like, oh, look at that. And that's what I feel like this is. So what do you see in others? Different question. Don't raise your hand. Don't point at anybody. Have you ever misjudged something or misjudged someone? Yeah, yeah, if you if you don't say yes to that, you got a really bad memory, okay? So uh, this happened today. True story. Happened today. Uh, there, I, I started the, the Sawyer campus early this morning, and there's a police officer across the street. And someone says to me, I can't believe they're here trying to catch people speed and come to church. Now, I remember when we Converge, a couple of you, that happened, by the way, when we were down at the high school. <laughs> I remember that 25 mile an hour, a couple of you did. So I can't believe you're trying to catch people go... Speed in the church. I said, maybe they're there because they're just helping us trying to keep us safe, which in fact is what they were doing. Notice the judgment. We do this all the time though, don't we? I see something, I, I'm going to assess it certain way, and I was wrong. So in some ways, this passage is going to address this. What do you see in others? All right, so let's back out for a second. We're going to take this passage, but let's think the whole thing. This is the longest sermon we have recorded of Jesus. It's three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. And really what it is essentially, it's a call to come into the kingdom of God. That kingdom language is all throughout Matthew. But this this speaks of it in some particular ways. And chapter 7 is kind of surprising because it has some very specific ways that the kingdom of God comes to us. So a lot of we think the kingdom of God, we think some, I don't know, esoteric thing out here, you know, like I don't. Friends, the kingdom of God, in terms of what Jesus is preaching, is what he's doing in the life of his children. How many of you know that for God's child, we actually serve a different king, okay? His name isn't the current president or the past president or the one before that, you know, whatever. I mean, there's a different way we're living. There's a different orientation in our life. Yes, we are citizens of this place, and, in, and I think our particular country has some amazing freedoms that we take for granted, but I want to say 
there's something bigger we're living for. And Jesus is bringing that kingdom into his people. And so when he teaches us to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The on earth is us. May that come into me and may I live like that, just like your will's done in heaven. So that's the beginning part of the sermon that we call the Beatitudes. There are these certain attitudes or characteristics of people of the kingdom. Okay, so why do I say all that? We come to chapter seven. It's real interesting how the kingdom comes. So last week, um, we just finished this period about anxiousness and all the cares of life. And he calls us, oh, you of little faith. And I mean, Lots of us struggle with, I mean, if you think about your week, it's, it's the, the everyday stuff you've thought about and what gets us distracted, it's the everyday stuff. So he's just talked about that, and now he moves into this realm of relationships. And a lot of people don't see that in this passage, but you'll see it today. And what he's saying really is, here's how the kingdom is meant to come into your life and be represented in your life, and you cannot do it on your own. Because the very middle of the passage, as Butch said earlier, it's all about a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's all about what he does and coming to our Heavenly Father. And, and the language of, of chapters 6 and 7 pervasively is about our Heavenly Father. And whenever Jesus speaks of God, he's te- he teaches us to pray this way, right? When, when you pray, pray to our Father in heaven. So there's a whole, I know some of us, we got different kind of dads and all that, and none of our dads are perfect. But our Heavenly Father is the one who loves us like, like nobody's business and knows exactly what's right for us, and he's in heaven in the place of authority. And that's what Jesus is pointing to all the way along. So I just say that because that's the backdrop of what we're going to read. Now, I don't have this, so I should have said pull out Bibles. So if you don't have one, you got on your phone. I'm just going to look this. I'm not projecting it. But if you look all of chapter seven, I think it's divided in half. I'm gonna show you the back half first. So it's the the verses that follow this, verses 13 on. Oh, I should say this too, sorry. This is a lot of information you probably aren't asking for. So when you get in your Bible, you see those little subheadings? Anybody see the subheadings? Ignore them, okay? Someone put that in there, that's their summary of what's going on. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And in this passage in particular, they don't work. In fact, I would say this, they're wrong. And it's not, that's not part of Jesus' words. It's just someone, as they put it together, summarizing something, okay? So just ignore it. So I think the middle point of this chapter is from verse 13 on. And I think it's important to see the flow of thought. So there he's talking about, hey, you need to enter the narrow gate, not the wide gate. And right after that, he taught, this, this whole last half is really about how do you enter the kingdom, And then he talks about the fruit of your life. You know a tree by its fruit. And the next section, he says, there's people that are going to say like, dude, I'm the greatest in the kingdom. I did miracles in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And then he's going to say, the wise person builds their house on a rock, not on the sand. And the wise person is the person who's listening to my words and doing them. So that whole last half, he's using lots of different stories, but he's saying, I've preached this all to you. It's the one who responds to this. So you can, you can hear everything. You can hear all kinds of preaching. You can whatever. But am I going to respond to it or not? That's the last half. The first half is what we're looking at today, verses 1 through 12. 
So it's a long introduction. But I, here's what I want to do. I think anytime you hear preacher, you should go like, prove it to me. Are you just saying your words? Or are you saying what God says? I, I want to show you where this is in the text. You should, you should think that way. Because there's a lot of guys where Jesus is going to say, you know, the guy goes, I did this, I did this, I did this. And he goes, I, I never knew you. The dangerous part about that is they're religious people. And I think the Pharisees were like this. Religion can be a trap. It can be a thing you hide behind. You could be trying to make yourself better, and there can be a self-righteousness in your life that's got nothing to do with the gospel and just surrendering to Jesus. So I'll tell you this, Jesus changes people. Amen. Give me an amen. I mean, he changes people. He just does. If we'll give up and submit to him. But there's a lot of, lot of lost religious people, and you see that in this text, okay? So here's, here's how he starts the thing. I'm going to read verses... Um, I'm going to read the first couple of verses and then the last one. And, and we'll get this later. I, so just listen to the connection. He says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be used against you. Why do you, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? Get what he's saying? So I'm an attitude. Then how does it end? Verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Whatever you wish they'd do to you, you do to them. That's, that's basically the law and the prophets summed up. So I think all this, that's the bookends of this passage. It's really about our relationships or what are you seeing? Do you see the wrong in your brother? Or do you see the good there is to do? Are you aware of the good the Father's done for you? Okay, so that's the basic thing. What do you see in others? What do you primarily, primarily see? They're wrong or opportunity to do good. So, this is, this is kind of the big section, and there's a lot in this. So tomorrow, next week, we're going to zoom in and just focus on one through six, because there's a lot of things I won't cover today that, that we'll come back at um, next week. All right, Taylor and Heather, you guys are going to read? Come on up. And I would say it's good to go through this again. I need to think through serious things a lot to get it. So they're going to read the scripture. If you do, would you stand with me? We've been doing this lately. Uh, in honor of God's word. And this is Matthew 7, verses 1 through 12. Got it. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray as we stand. Father, I ask this simply. That you would help us, each one of us, to hear this word and respond to it well. You know all of us. You know every single person watching online. You know what's going on in our week here. We need this more than we know. So I pray, Lord, that you would do that according to your word, by your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So that's a long introduction trying to get where this comes from. And uh, what I try to do sometimes is summarize this, and then we're going to go and break down the parts. So if I'd I'd put this in one sentence, kind of the one theme, it's this. um, Treat others with the goodwill of God rather than judgment. That's what we should do. And again, this is an expression, I think, of the kingdom of God. Um, You might have gotten that last verse in terms of the whole law is summed up in that. And so that might recall, oh, where Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Or in Galatians where it says the whole law is summed up in this one word, love your neighbors yourself. So that's where he's aiming this. Treat others with the good will of God rather than judgment. Um, that's just an idea. But when Jesus is preaching something, there's always a change he's wanting to have happen in, in us, a way that we would respond to that. And here's how I'd put that. Let the Father's goodness to you move you to do good to others. That's it. So this comes from, it's not just going and doing good, All of that comes from an awareness of the good that the Father's done. That's that middle part of it. Let that change you. Let that affect your life. I think kingdom people, God's kingdom, that's a primary, a centering reality for us. There's a lot of junk in this world. A lot of, that almost said a bad word, stuff that happens. It just, it does. But there's a centering on God's faithfulness as love to us. And man, you look back over the course of your lifetime, you can see God's faithfulness again and again and again. And you see it most profoundly in some of the most difficult places. How did I get through that? God did that. How did I? And that's his love. Okay. So that's a change. Now, more time. Okay, so this is about how we see, how we see others. Here's the flow of thought. Here's the three sections of this. So verses one to six. It's how we so easily see wrong in others. That's our temptation. That's what we go to first. Then he addresses how we can ask the Father and he treats us with goodness. He said, just come and ask. And then the final one is how we can treat others with God's goodness. We receive it, we give it. Okay, that's kind of the flow of thought. All right, let's break it down. Um, so I titled that first section. It's funny. I always change the titles. Like all the, I don't know why I'm schizophrenic. I don't know what I am. So I said it the first time, how we can easily see wrong in others. I just call it here, finding the wrong in others. So I want to just take a deeper dive. Uh, we'll take a deeper dive into this next week. Okay. Attitude. Notice this. Listen to the attitude. Judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye and you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? What's Jesus getting at? I mean, they easily see the wrong in others. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say they're incorrect, does he? He's pulling out what they see. So what he's addressing is their heart attitude. Remember this whole sermon as he's talking to them, it's the crowds, it's his disciples, and again, he's, 
he's contrasting them, the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the religious establishment, the ruling class. They're the ones, they got the law. They know it better than any of Jesus' disciples, but they have a self-righteousness that is absolutely not the gospel. And religious people are prone to this. I, I do good, therefore I am good. I mean, you know, the number one question people ask, hey, if you believe in heaven, do you think you'll get there? And, and the answer typically is, yeah, why? Well, I've done enough good. At least I can think of a bunch of other guys that haven't done as much good as I have. And I know they ain't getting there. I mean, it's just, it's, it's how we think. It, 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 I want to say it's a, it's a rational, <laughs> rational, reasonable, demonic way to go to hell. It's not what Jesus, it just is not what Jesus says. And it's because we don't, don't steer. So he's addressing that. And, and the, the Pharisees, in a sense, they're playing God. So if you go back to the beginning of this sermon, the spirit of, of all of this, the, the, the poor in spirit, the meek, those who, who um, mourn, those who are merciful, the pure in heart, that is not the Pharisees. That's that section we call the Beatitudes. It's what he's calling us to. So think about this. This is, this is a, a, a problem people have with this passage. What's the difference between judging and judgmentalism? Is there a difference? Or what's the difference between assessing discerning and an attitude of judgment. So that's what he's getting at here. He's getting at the attitude, this looking down upon someone else. He actually doesn't say they're wrong in what they see. It's the attitude. And the Pharisees, they were like the poster child of the self-righteous. What Jesus says here is the same kind of judgment that you're trying to apply to them is going to apply to you. And but the nature of this judgment is I just don't see my flaws. You know, I think I'm pretty good. And you, uh, well, <laughs> you're not so good. So as Jesus goes on, and we'll dive in again more deeply next week, what, what is helpful is the way he addresses it, you got to begin by recognizing your own fallenness because here's the truth. So we've got varying degrees of understanding this, but we are all common sinners in need of God's grace. It doesn't matter it just, it just doesn't matter. That's where we all are. And so the beginning part of ever speaking to a brother or sister or asking anything about someone in their life, it, it's this humility. So we started, I mean, there's a phrase we used to use way back when we were in the high school. We still use it. I think Justin's the one who uses it the most is that at the cross, it is level ground. Level ground. There's not someone coming in higher than another. And the person who thinks they're higher is actually lower. So he said, what? Why are you seeing other people's flaws and sins, but you don't see your own? In verse 5, he actually used that word hypocrite. You don't even see yourself. You just don't. Now, he does say the right way to do that, but the correction's got to come with humility and love. But he's saying, you got to deal with yourself. And I would say, if you're not back next week or you're not watching online, spend some time thinking about that one. It always starts with me. Okay, there's a few of us here married. This is a really good practice in our marriages. <laughs> Thanks for laughing, somebody. I mean, it, it, it's a good practice in our marriages. Let it start with me. Isn't it crazy how I see faults in other people so easy, easily? I mean, it's true in all relationships, but I don't know why it is. Marriage tends to personify that one. Start with me. Find the wrong in me first and deal with it. So I'm going to give you a real-life illustration of this. So Jesus talks about this log and the speck, right? Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? and you don't even see the log in your own eye. That's weird, isn't it? 
Why would that be? Why is that? It's not like it's just them, it's us too. So a few years back, this guy that I love dearly, we, we, uh, we were in a conflict and um, I was trying to understand. I remember where this took place. We're in my office. It was actually back when we were starting Converge and there's all these things going on. But we're sitting down and he was, he was starting to make like accusations of me. I was trying to understand it because he was coming to conclusions about me and my actions that I didn't understand. And I remember sitting here thinking like, so he'd see this or see this, and so he'd, he'd kind of put motives on it, you know? He'd think, like, I always call it the way you connect the dots. I know no one else does this. <laughs> do you know how often we do that? We see this event, see that event, and we think, oh, this must be what's going on, and we think that about someone else? How would you know? Like, you're inside their head. We're making judgment all the time, okay? So I'm sitting there, he's telling me all this stuff, and I'm going like, man, he's, he's just, I mean, that's not what was happening, and he's judging me. Listen to this. I remember where I was sitting. I, I could probably find in my journal what year this was. I don't remember that. I just remember where I was sitting and having that thought. And about as soon as I had that thought, you know what the Holy Spirit said? I mean, just right in my head. You do the same thing to him. And I had been. Guilty as charged. I think that's why that's here. We do this all the time. We don't even, we don't see it. Then here's my next thought. The log and the speck, it's really, why do I see the speck in my brother's eye, but I don't see the log in mine? The way he tells the metaphor, it's like it's bigger in my life. Why do I see that one? And here's what I wondered. So this isn't the text, but I'm wondering. It's, it's his speck, my log. I wonder if the flaws are in me that I don't see, pretty big, that I notice them when they're in someone else. I see it over here, and I'm like, I just want to go after it. Like, that thing, right? That thing, that thing, that, get rid of it. I don't even see how big it is in me. Clearly, he is saying that kind of a thing. But I wonder if my flaws and weaknesses, I notice them in a more pronounced way in others. So here's part of the deal. We don't see ourselves right. We We almost always, we always think we're better than we are. Or let me say this way, what I'm communicating, <laughs> let me just, this one, this one's not good or bad. What I'm communicating, if you ever thought what I'm communicating, it's way more clear to me than it is to you. That ever come to, off to you? We just, we don't tend to see ourselves right and we, we need the Holy Spirit's help. And there was a, I remember that moment like anything where I'm thinking, this guy's going on to me, this is going on to me. I'm like, yeah, I want to defend myself, but I'm not saying anything. Oh, that was God right there that I didn't say anything. Ooh. And think he's judging me. And the Holy Spirit right then said, man, you do the same thing to him. Guilty as charged. Now I was thinking about this passage a lot. So verses five and six, we'll deal with this next week again. There is a right way to come to someone in terms of correction. There's a right way to do it. And I would suggest to you, it starts with self-examination. I'm just saying this now. This is going to be next week's sermon. It starts with self-examination humility when one's looking at oneself and love, which has to be God changing you. And if you want to read a parallel passage, I'd read Galatians chapter six, verses one to 10. Cause I think Paul has this in mind when he's writing to the Galatians church. And I think he unpacks how to do that. It's next week's sermon. So just want to at least say it, that it's coming. All right. That's the first section one through six. Oh, I skipped the, the, the pearls of swine thing. Cause that's next week's sermon.
It's really interesting. Okay, so second part of this is, so how, do, how do I do that? How do I, I, I not be judgmental or how do, I, how do I get helped with how I see myself or how can I be helpful to someone else? I mean, I mean I'm not supposed to be helpful now. How do I do this? I think that's the second section here, verses 7 and 11. Ask the Father's help. Just ask it. I love the way the, the girls read it today. You know, that ask, it's not like you just ask like that. Ooh, I asked you, God, and you didn't do it. The, the verb tense is you keep on asking. Have you ever noticed about God? Like he didn't, like when you ask him stuff, he didn't, a lot of times he didn't just answer right away, right? He waits. I said, God is a lot more patient than I am. He waits. Why does he wait? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons. But I want to say this. This is in this, this sermon. He knows what we need before we ask. So someone goes like, well, why would I ask then? No, that's the exact point while we ask. He actually knows what I need. I'm just going to ask him for what I think I need. But he knows what I need. So we ask him because what, what God wants us, to, he wants us to talk to him about everything. I mean about everything. That, that's why he says, give us this day our daily bread. I don't ask for bread because I think I know where to buy it. He just come and talk about everything. And he's going to respond. You seek, you'll find. You knock, the door will be open. That's his word. That's his promise. But it's not a, the verb tense, it's an ongoing. Don't raise your hand. But I'll say, I know in this room, some of you have been asking for a long time for some things. You've been seeking for a long time for some things. I want to tell you, God's going to answer. That's who he is. That's his promise. He will. I, I, I got some things that have been decades along in my life. He'll answer. Now, we know as our Heavenly Father, he may, not, he may not give me the answer I want, right? But he's going to give what I need. He will do that. That's who he is. Because he does love his children. All right. So I want you to hear in that. This is an invitation. So a lot of people, they, don't, they, they just take this section. They don't connect it to the rest of it. But I think there's a reason it's in the middle, and that's because we, we need his help in relationships. We need it bad. We need help in discerning our own thoughts and our own attitudes. We need help in seeing our own need. We need the love of God to move through us to others. Other ways, the way I treat my sister to whom I'm married or my brother, I won't, I'll treat them according to me. I won't treat them with the love of Jesus. That's why we're asking. I should say this. When Luke says this same passage, he says, how will not the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And that's what we need. We need his help. Anybody else think they need, need his help in this? I the only one here? Okay, we need it. So here's what he's saying. You ask, he will. And he speaks of how the Father treats us with good. So we can come back and ask. We can seek. We can knock. He'll hear and give. Look at verse 11, how he says it. If you then who are, what's the word? Don't we love hearing that? What are you doing? If you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Okay, isn't that kind of weird where he says that you then who are evil? You ever read that and go like, so I think actually right there, that's a real good connection to the verses that are before. You've been judgmental. 
You don't see what's in you. You're, you're focused on the little speck over there. That's what you do. There's, I, there's actually not condemning words here. There's actually still an invitation. And if you're that, and you know how to give good things to your kids, you want to get, I, this, I know all kinds of parents. I know like good ones, bad ones, whatever. But most parents have ever known, they, wanted, they want good things to happen to their kids. They may not know how to do it. Say so one. He says, if you know to, how to, how much more your Father in heaven? So, friends, what that's supposed to be for us, that's supposed to be an invitation that we just come running in and ask. It, it's supposed to be an invitation that's encouraging to us. We, some of us feel like we can't change. And the truth of it, that is, we can't but he can change us. He can give us his spirit. So when he calls out things like love your enemy or forgive your enemies or pray for those that persecute you, I can't do that. You just ask God's help. I've seen it happen again and again and again. And you know, the, the people that I work with in Central Asia, they go through this in ways that we cannot understand. The guys I was with a couple of weeks ago, in terms of what they face in their lives, in, in Muslim countries where they're totally ostracized from family, beaten up, guys with scars, these verses mean something to them. And, and, and honestly, I think we're soft. Because I can read that and not believe it. This is God's word. It's true. It's what he wants to do. The Lord can make this kind of change in us. But here it is. It all, it all starts with recognizing our need. Recognizing our need. We are the same. I'm no different than you and I'm not better than you. Just, we're all the same. Do you really believe that? We all have that need. And I think that's a confessional thing. I think we actually got to get ourselves humbled. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We got to get that low. We got to recognize I'm not better than someone else. We got to see that's exactly what Jesus did. He's not scared about getting low. He left heaven. <laughs> He's there at creation. He speaks creation into existence. And Jesus, he left all that aside, the first missionary. He leaves it all aside and takes the limitations of humanity, human skin he takes. And he's not plopped on this earth as a young adult, but a frail little baby born in obscurity and he walks, he lives that life he, he, that, in that sense in our shoes. So it's interesting when we say that God, he's omniscient, he knows you. The way Hebrews writes this, Jesus experienced our life. So the way in which he loves you is not theoretical. He's lived this. He's accused falsely. All evil things done, all, and he does all this willingly to come here and it's not simply dying, but this kind of a death, it's not only excruciatingly painful. When, when people died on the cross, the Jews considered them cursed by God. And he does that then taking our sin. He who is holy and pure, taking that on himself willingly for us. What kind of humility and humbling is that? And why do I resist it? Friends, all religions are not the same. They are not the same. 
I'll say this also. The cross is despicable to Islam because God's almighty. He would never do this. Christianity is not like other religions. And the kingdom of God that he came to initiate and to bring his people into and to do in our lives in in this year, in 2023, in the real ins and outs of, of hard relationships to bring the kingdom in, it is supernatural. It, it really is. I mean, it, it comes into space that I can't do. So you come and you ask the Father for this. When it, the hardest places are the places we're meant to turn to him. And he'll do it. But it does come in this case, in this relationship. First of all, humble. I'm not better than anybody else. And in doing so, you're following our Savior. The second part is then coming and just asking him for help. Realizing and, and receiving the good he's done for you. This is an invitation. Jesus is inviting us to ask the Father's help. And the final part of this is verse 12. So I actually don't like the term the golden rule. It's what people call this. Um, but I would say this, this is opportunities to do good to others. It's not just opportunities. Do it. So what do you see? You see in someone's faults? Is that what you see and you focus on? Of course they're there. Is that what you see? Or do you see opportunities for doing good? This is not trying to create us into do-gooders. Again, the middle section is all about the father. If you're evil, you know how to give good. You ask your father. He'll, he'll give good. He gives good. And, and primarily that's the change in us we want then you see good. Now, this is actually where the passage gets fun. So again, I, I think I said earlier, the transformation that he's wanting is let the Father's goodness move you to do good to others. You can ask him about this. So the picture of children coming to the Heavenly Father is this. As his kids, I don't know if you can imagine yourself like this, but we live under the goodness of our Father. We don't have any worries. We don't really cares. I mean, there's lots of stuff in life that doesn't go right. But when we understand that part of our relationship, we live in the goodness of that. We know that we can come to the Father anytime and ask him about anything, and we will be heard. We'll be heard. He's not going to tune us out. He's not going to turn us away. The Father knows what you need before you ask, and we're going to receive good. It may not be the way we thought, but we will receive good. Now, here's what this verse says then. The father empowers his children to do good to others. Look how he says it. So whatever, oh, I should say this. The word so there, that's a direct connection between these two. Okay? <clears throat> how much more wants your father to do good to you, your father in heaven? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and prophets. So look for opportunities to do good. Notice also, this is not passive. Whatever you wish. Okay, th I think this actually could be fun. I don't know if people think of the kingdom of God as being fun or adventurous. That's how, that's how I think of it. Whatever you wish people would do. I, this is an invitation too. He's actually, he's actually saying, dream up ways to do good to others. How fun is that? What do you see are you seeing all the wrong out there? Eh, officer, I can't believe I'm sitting over there trying to pull people over coming into church. I mean, we make judgments. What are you seeing? Are you seeing opportunities to do good? That, that comes as the Spirit changes us. That's, that's a beautiful thing. So 
I, I think it would be fun, families or whatever, married, just friends, talk about, just talk about that. Um, so again, this idea, what do you see? <clears throat> Many years ago, long time ago, I was a youth pastor. I don't remember if you guys ever did this with me, but I, I, I do this thing called a serve one another meal. Fred, I think you were part of those way back. So <clears throat> we'd be on a youth trip or whatever, you know, and you just been and hiking and you're hungry. And so we'd have all the food set out. So imagine this is a big, oh, by the way, you all know this, right? A boy's love language is food. That, that's, that, that, it just is. And I'm not sure when that changes or if it does, but so you got all this food set out, all the sandwich fixings and all the stuff. And, like that. and here's the rule. You couldn't serve yourself. There's a couple of rules. Couldn't, you couldn't get anything for yourself and you couldn't ask for anything. No fair cheating and giving hints. They just served someone else. This is with teenage kids. It's it awesome. Some hated it. It's awesome. <laughs> so you'd go up and I'd see Carol. I said, Carol, would you like, would you like a sandwich? She'd say, yes. Would you like some ham in your sandwich? She'd say, no. And would you like some turkey in your sandwich? She'd say, yes. I'd get, her, I'd, get all these, I'd get all the fixings, get that, that whole thing, potato chips, and give it to Carol. And I really hope someone would notice me, you know, as I sit over here. <laughs> it, was, it, was, so it, was a, it was a whole lesson on what do you see, Okay. And so kids would come up, and it was just, and we do this a couple times, but it's interesting. It's just a game. But it, it, it's what you see, this opportunity to serve someone. And it was fun. I tried it with my family. It was not as much fun. But <laughs> my, my family was younger. It was hard. Caleb was like three or four, and it was not working well then. Okay. But with teenagers, it's good. We just had fun with it. And we called it a serve one another meal. And, and there's guys that would cheat. I won't call anybody out by name, but they'd, you know, you get the seconds and you go like, Cindy, would you like another piece of cake? And she's got like her food pounded with, you know, her plate pounded with food, which meant, I want, ask, would you ask me? That's, it was a reciprocal question. I knew you didn't want it, but hey, would you like another sandwich? My plates. So we had to, we had to cut off the cheaters. I remember some of those by name, but think about doing good to others. Whatever you wish they'd do to you, go do it to them. There's an, do you hear the invitation in that? Do you think of the kingdom of heaven being like fun, adventurous? We see the junk so easily, don't we? And we need it changed. And he wants to change it. He really does. It's what he does to kingdom people. Because when we know our Father cares for us, there's a way in which we can live really free. All those circumstances are still the same. It's still hard to pay my bills. I'm still struggling with this relationship or this physical thing. But when you really know the Father's care, it comes out of you different. Who of us here does not need to know that? So let me end with a couple things here. Here's a good way to think about this. If you want to do a deep dive into this and just ask God's help, here's one. Just do an internal inventory do that before next week, before we get the passage again, loop back in. Think about judgmentalism. Ask the Lord to help you with it. Because we don't we get the log, we don't, we don't see it. That's one. Secondly, just think about or ask God about how you approach him. Do you come to him to ask him for help? Why or why not? If you're hesitant to, just Talk to him about it. So the thing about God is, he, he knows what you're dealing with already. It's not like you're surprising him or he's going to be disappointed with you. He already knows. 
So in, my encouragement is in, just engage with him about it. He's your heavenly father. Just talk to him about it. And the final one would be, this is, I mean, it's kind of a fun one. Just take a look at intentionally pursuing good to others. Not passively, but the way he says, whatever you wish they'd do to you, you do it to them. It's not passive. You actually do. And I think there's an adventurous, fun element to that. There is actually a way in which the kingdom of God comes into our hearts and through us and other people. Now, who thought we were going to get that from this passage? But I think that's what he's, it, it's subversive. It sneaks in. It changes people. And see, when you do this good, you're not trying to be a do-gooder. You're not trying to earn something. It's an extension of God's love for you. That's free. It doesn't matter how they respond. It's just, it's free. That's what he wants to do. So I end this way. Jesus is inviting us to come to him and be changed by him with his heart towards other, others. Don't you want that? Aren't you tired of all the political fighting and the whatever, looking down on others who are in this other camp, whatever that other camp is? Oh, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth in my life, right here like it is in heaven. What if we asked the Father for this kind of help? What if we came to him every morning? Just ask him for this. Starting that day, ask him that I would, I would see the opportunities that are out there. The good that I've received can be passed on to others. And then I, I did it. I think that's the... Um, one of the ways the kingdom of God comes with a great freedom. Wouldn't it be awesome if we live it out that way? I think it's Jesus' intention. Let's pray. Father, I do ask it again according to your prayer. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life, in our lives, just like it is in heaven. I pray for each one here, Lord, that we'd pay attention to you today, this week, and we'd respond to you. And you would speak to us about ourselves, our need for you. Some of us are aware of it, some of us aren't. I pray you'd do that good work. And uh, Lord, so in that, there'd be a greater walk with you and a real joy. Thank you for being so kind and so patient. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.